0: Hello and welcome to the Embers Collective podcast episode 22. My name is Ella aka RKD and today I will be reading you an original poem called Death Becomes Her with Tim Karp on the Ood. <laughs> Is it then, the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought it would be warmer somehow, would feel like the sun engulfed my skin but I'm comfortable now, both outside and within. I no longer feel my heart is like a backpack of bricks to be packed and unpacked from. The muscles on my back are no longer sore from carrying the weight of the world on it. I feel free, not light, not heavy, not weightless exactly, but as if I could tiptoe on a tightrope with the balance of a Russian gymnast held together by lycra and muscle mass. Any pain I felt is gone, yet my skin is still soft and vibrant as if blood still pumped through it, maybe death becomes me. And maybe those above me mourning my absence don't see the funny side of that yet Only red eyes and blurry faces But I hope they don't feel sad for me And I hope they're not clumped together with shaking hands and sore backs With clothes so stiff they can barely move their arms to hold each other's hands I hope they're dancing on the tables we sat at when we were kids Drinking wine and beer with sore skin red from crying. I hope they're talking over one another laughing. I hope that there's no eulogy, instead a herd of speeches. Sharing the stories out of silence from their lips if I was there to hear them. I hope that it's a party. And that the wine is flowing freely. And I hope they're telling each other how much they loved me and them and each other, and that's fine because my absence has formed a bond between friends. I hope they know I'm okay, here, in this nowhere space, that in this sacred place, that although death is scary, it's the most inevitable thing we face. I hope that they remember the good, and the bad, and the downright ugly. But I got to feel the crisp sea air on my face And I got to see Dementia make the seasons change continuously I saw the fragility of life and I'm now experiencing it for myself Love is fickle, it's fleeting But it's also raw and contagious and it can make or break you And love is not a scary one-size-fits-all kind of feeling, it's all-encompassing. It's not Pandora's box, a one-time-only sensation that's impossible to reclaim once released into the void, it's varying. It can be as strong as a gale-force wind, full of incandescent happiness or fraught with conflicted feelings and overlap, because there is always overlap love cannot be given to one person and those who think they need to keep it contained are going to have issues when they realise it can't be are going to venture to the depths of their soul and instead of facing forward, weighted and ready for battle, they look back at the way it was the way it could be and they won't be able to leave the crater they created for their heart love It's everything. It's life. But in death, your perception changes. In my world, the sky is no longer blue. I'm no longer seeing it with you. Instead, I'm seeing it as the colour I want to.
1: Thank you so much, Ella.
0: You're welcome. Mm. That
1: was Ella, otherwise known as Rkd, um, telling an original poem.
0: That's
1: me. Um, and I was playing the oud. Uh, you're in the room today Ood. with with me, Tim Carp, with Lennon Jenkins, Ooh. with James Boswell, and, uh, and with Ella. Um,
0: okay, Rkd. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Hello, so, everybody. So Ella, do you want to talk about? Um, Where, why, what, how, with who, what was the weather like?
0: of course. So that was a very specific poem. Um, It's called Death Becomes Her. And I wrote it actually for a show that um, Lonan and I put together, um, slash putting together still, um, based on the story of Orpheus and... Eurydice. Eurydice. I always call her Eurydice, so... (laughs) That's what I had to let alone and I had to let Lonan jump in on that one there because I would have definitely got it wrong. It's also when I was a kid I used to call, like, Kasabian. Kasabian. <laughs> Homeone so. from Harry Potter.
1: Homeone. Yeah,
0: that was a dream. Um, and Chol, Chol.
2: Chol. Cholol. Oh, have you ever been which to? Which was Chloe? Have you ever been yeah. to Bicester? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Bicester. Bicester Village,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but the poem. So the poem uh, comes Um. at a point in the Orpheus and. Erudice (laughs) Erudice story Uh, when um, basically they are in love and they're married and they're happy and then Erudice dies and Orpheus is really really cut up about it and he makes it his mission to go down and get her um, from the underworld and makes all these deals I'm sure Loden will tell you about that Um, but um, basically uh, when Loden and I were putting together this idea for this story to a combined um, storytelling and spoken word um we had specific points where we wanted the poet- poems to come and that point was where Eurydice has been taken down into the underworld and he- and and Orpheus is really like mourning her like he really wants to get her back but actually the whole idea that we had was that she's quite happy there like you know, she's been, she died, it was her time, and now you see, you get a glimpse of her um, and her thought processes in the underworld, and she's actually quite happy and okay. And um, that's why there's a line in it that said, like, death becomes me and death becomes her. And, um, and yeah, and um, it's kind of, like, brings that whole feeling about, like, you know, death is a way of life, and um, it's just all part of it, and people live and they die and they move on and she's very much accepted her fate um, in that poem um, mm. and there's like specific parts in it where she talks for example like um, people who aren't going to uh, are going to create craters in their heart um, if they like you know spend all their time trying to look back which is a specific kind of nod to the Orpheus and Eurydice story and um, but the original poem, um, I it's kind of based on another poem I wrote called In Case of Death, uh, which I wrote after the death of my grandmother, after her funeral. Um, and it sounds, it's like one of those things that sounds quite morbid, like Death Becomes Her sounds quite morbid, but actually mm. it's quite a happy poem because the whole point of it is to, is to kind of, talk about like how death is so normal and death it happens to everyone and to kind of like really be okay with it like I was at my grandmother's funeral and everyone was there and everyone was really awkwardly sad you know when everyone's like instead of like celebrating someone's life they're just kind of scared of the fact that there's a funeral going on and they're scared of death and it's all very like traditional and everyone's in a suit and wearing black and everyone's a bit like oh you know and and then there were some people, like some of my cousins, who were really, like, scared because they hated funerals because they'd seen one of their grandfather and it made them sad. And it's like, actually, like, my grandma was 91 years old when she died. Like, she had a good life. She'd seen mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, you know? It was her time. And there was just something so awkward and uninspiring about it. And the way I kind of see death and... and the way i feel about it i just felt like if i die even young old whatever i was like i just don't i don't want that kind of funeral like i want people to to celebrate me in their own way and you know come together and how it's kind of beautiful sometimes how death can actually bring people together like the death of my grandmother put brought together like the whole family who haven't seen each other in a really long time and that was really lovely and you know if people lived forever then you know, you wouldn't have this whole idea that life is something to hold on to and to grasp, and it's just something that's so important. Um, so I came home and wrote wrote that po- wrote a poem called "In Case of Death," which is basically um, like my wish for if I was to ever die, or and gives a lot of that sentiment. And I used that as the crux of this poem, "Death Becomes Her," because it has that a lot of that same messaging and um, storyline. And it, I think even though it's meant to be placed within a story, it still tells a very specific. Um, it still has a very specific message, and still has it's quite an uplifting one. And I really enjoy it, and enjoy performing it. And now you get to hear it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I really, uh, I really like the idea that, that he's the that Orpheus has gone to get her, and she's actually mm-hmm. like. I don't want you to... Come <laughs> yeah.
0: She's fine. Yeah. She's having I'm a, having yeah.
3: a great time. It's quite nice down here, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the the end line is kind of a nod to that when she's, like, um, you know, like, she talks about love. I, I talk about love in the end bit. She acknowledges it and acknowledges Orpheus' love for her. Um, she's, like, you know, like, love in life is everything, mm. which a lot of people feel, but, you know, she's dead now. She has gone. <laughs> And she's like, you know, when I was up there with you, like the sky was blue, but now the sky's not blue anymore. It's whatever color she wants it to be because she's in this. She's done with with the the upstairs world. She's in the underworld now, and she's at peace. And um,
1: kind of like her her vision is not skewed by others. Yeah, she can see. Yeah, exactly. It's she, not.
0: She it's not held see. down by the rules of what the world tells mm. her it is it's completely hers now. Um and yeah like we yeah we had that whole idea in the in the storyline so Orpheus is obviously on this m- massive mission to um correct me at any point if I'm wrong by the way Lonan. But um Orpheus is on this mission to kind of get her back. Um So he goes like all the way to the underworld to ask Hades if if he can if she can return with him and his only um the only thing he asks of him is for him to not look back he can't look back when he's taking her out of the underworld and obviously because he's a human and as we all are um, to
2: air is to be human
0: yeah so he does look back and as soon as he looks back she falls back into the underworld but I really liked playing with this idea that he was completely disrupting her peace by being so selfish that he couldn't mm-hmm. live on earth without her um, whereas she was actually fine without him in this world,
2: I think there's quite a universal want to make sure that we have something peaceful afterwards, like that that sort of that hope that um, that once we die, uh, any sort of like traumatic and um, high intensity experiences and are not waiting for us on the other side. So actually, to explore that through um, your poem is yeah as you were saying is is a very comforting mm. way to kind of process that perhaps fear of the unknown as well, yeah
0: mm-hmm. I think like also playing with the idea that <coughs> like as human beings we're so selfish and like he's so selfish that um he would dare toy with death mm. by removing her from the underworld as well, and arrogant. yeah, so arrogant that that um. The that their life was obviously better together instead of just kind of just trusting the universe, I guess, or the way of the world.
2: Oof, that's that's a big ask. I mean, I think it's quite <laughs> true. It's, true. It is. Yeah, again, but, um, very human to to want to. Yeah, very human. Things, right? mm.
0: But to actually get there, and then but then to go through all of that effort to change things, and then just not be able to follow through at the end.
2: yeah. Uh, off, yes.
3: i mean i do i love i love i love the way then the way you've interpreted this and presented it and it it goes to show how you know you read one version of that story and you're like oh they're lovers and he's done such a brave mm. romantic thing and then listening to that you're like oh no he's not he's selfish he's just like <laughs> and how you can like flip a story and and make a character you can see a character mm. in a completely different way um it's so it's an important thing to remember as well. <laughs> mm. <laughs> These stories can all be two sides to every
2: story. Yeah. Well, I yeah. So we were talking <clears throat> um, earlier today and in an earlier podcast about um, structures uh, being really useful when creating stories and poetry, and uh, we even talked about dance. Um, but I, particularly with this poem and how personal it is to you. Um, I've really enjoyed how you've taken something that is so universal and and something that every human has to face and through the structure of a poem created a story that that allows you to not only understand how you feel about it but will hopefully let other people um, kind of comprehend how they feel or uh, or if it juxtaposes how they feel like why they feel that way or you know this basically what I'm trying to say is I really like it <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I actually really like the process of listening to stories and poetry and having them um, as structures on which to sort of figure out how how I feel in my gut so it's it's really mm. nice when it's genuine and it has come from um, such a great place as, uh, as yours
0: I think that's for me one of the biggest things is about authenticity and gen- genuity mm-hmm. and um, I think that you can tell a lot of that whenever you listen to poetry or stories Stories like mm. you can tell the, the intention quite easily um, yeah and I, I like I think I, I very much absorb that and I like that a lot whenever I listen to stuff it's
3: just a little point I thought I'd make. Yeah. I think that yeah, I think the way you've the way you've presented death as being, we should just be grateful that we've had the chance to experience these things. But you know, funerals, funerals, and and the way people process death after a death isn't for isn't anything to do with the person that's died. It's mm. to do with them and how they're processing it and actually thinking that that person is now at rest. And although it's perfectly normal for us to miss them and wish that they were still here, they you know the fact that we're all here at all I mean obviously there are some deaths that are incredibly tragic,
0: mm. but you
3: know in the case of in the case of your your grandmother who lived this full life to ninety one should be celebrated and it should be it should be a, a, an acknowledgement of that wonder and yeah um yeah it's interesting that it's very hard to do because our emotions sort of and our fear.
0: Definitely fear. I think there's um, there's a really interesting kind of thread in a lot of indigenous cultures, and I think that's what I was quite inspired by and how they celebrate death. So, for example, in some um, some indigenous parts of Asia, um, they kind of have this, and a lot of the same in South America as well. Indigenous um, tribes and peoples. They see death so differently because it's like a sense of like that old world religion where, for example, it used to happen a lot more regularly. And they the way they had they celebrated deities was very different. Um, but, for example, when someone dies, um, they mourn them. I can't remember which way around it is, but they they basically have like a week of celebration um, and they mourn them for three days. And they, they do all of their crying, all of their sadness, more than for three days. And then they have a party for about four to five days where everyone comes, everyone, they drink, like, from day till night, till morning, to dusk, till dawn, drink, celebrate that person's life. And then after those celebrations are over, they're not allowed to say the name of the person that died because they believe that if you say their name and if you mourn them and you grieve them, then you're taking them away from moving on so they can't move on if you haven't moved on mm. so they believe so they believe that by saying their name by grieving them like you're actually holding <clears throat> them back from their mm. life in the underworld from reincarnation from wherever they're going and i just thought that was such a beautiful idea of like actually like it's that whole kind of thing that you completely consume yourself with this person you celebrate them and then and then you let them go and but you let them go into the light for example like not that you just, not that you forget them, but you let them move on, not just mm. you. But um, actually, it's
1: it's probably more about you moving on, isn't it? Yeah, I that guess. Whole concept so. is like, okay, don't. Yeah. This is for them, but it probably helps the the people mourning so much yeah. more as well.
0: And that's a for in a lot of cultures, there's like kind of days like, um, I mean, Day of the Dead isn't specific to that. Like it's kind of not what happens, but there are specific days like that in other cultures where they. Um, they kind of like, you are allowed to grieve that person again, for Mm. example, like mourn that person or say their name for that one day a year. And you go and you pay your um, respects to the dead and then that's it and you move on again. I think it's quite nice as well.
1: Mm. Have you, um, so have you done any uh, poetry with music before?
0: Um, Well, we did um, at Someone Wedding, which if you listened to the last podcast, you may have heard um you and I performed live together but um aside from that um I've done a few bits of like live performance um with poetry a lot of it being kind of um improvised but I'm having a look at the moment of writing a lot more to beats so me- my friend sent me some beats and I'm kind of writing a few pieces that are going specifically to to some beats, um, which is quite exciting because a lot of, like, the spoken word scene can really, like, lend itself to, like, hip-hop and rap. Mm. And even though I personally am not a hip-hop poet, there are some really great hip-hop poets um, on the scene who are doing that really well. Um, to name a couple would be, like, Poet Curious and the Repeat Beat Poet They're doing that really well. That's not kind of my style, but... I love the idea of bringing music and poetry together because I think it lends itself so beautifully um, and it gives it another another element. I think we were talking about this when we performed live together, but um, or like I think someone else was talking about it, but the idea that they just complement each other so beautifully, like the words and the music, and the music kind of also helps you t- helps you feel um, what the words are saying, um, which is really nice.
3: How was it putting music to that Tim? Because I guess it's it's quite different to what we do with embers in some to, in some ways, but maybe more similar to like songs and like doing it to to. Oh, good question. Mm.
1: Yes, yeah, somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. but also off the graph on a different graph. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Venn diagrams everywhere. Uh, dim- <laughs> multi-dimensional graph.
0: <laughs> yeah, haven't you seen my multi-dimensional <laughs> graphs?
1: Um, it was, it was great it was it was more like flow than than a, than a story mm. so it wasn't like you know standard story okay this section is when the bad guy comes in and I play something sinister and this is when the joy is and I'll play something lovely jubbly no it was like it was just pure flow it was just like listening to the sound of your voice and, and going with that and here and in a sense going with the sections but I kind of wasn't I wasn't really aware. It was a little bit. I was like, okay, at the end, I should probably do this, to to round to wrap it up. But um, yeah, it was nice. Just just a bit. Of, it's like a jam, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it was really lovely to do actually, because I was kind of riffing off you a little bit as well. Where I was like, oh, this is where I feel that the the rhythm's going, and this is where I need to pause, and that was really nice.
1: Well, my neighbour started playing the piano. Oh, <laughs> can you hear that, everybody? You can't hear it. It's very good. <laughs> it is very nice. Um okay, should we wrap it up then? Oh yeah. well, actually Ella, do you have any shows
0: uh, um, that you wanna that you wanna Plug time. Plug. <laughs> um plug away. I'm trying to think when this will air. Um
3: probably towards the end of September.
0: Yeah, so if it was in September, <clears throat> I have a show um, which I don't even think is sold out, but part of um, like a Women's Connect event. Um, but to keep up to date, you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Arcade <laughs> Poet, which is at A-R-C-R-K, Yeah, A D I E P O E T. Had to think about. That say, that one one more time, say that one more time. Say that one more time. At a R C A D I E P O E T R K D poet um, like Arcadia but R-K-D. Um and um, I'm working on some stuff um, with a collective as well so there might be some fun things there but yeah that's Great. me
1: well thanks for coming in right, and doing thank you very much the first uh, first Ember's podcast first thanks, Ember's show guys. and your first Ember's oh, podcast oh my god in the same just week. smashing it oh, yeah. But just thanks.
0: reeling them off one knocking them down standing them up knocking them down again that's what's going on
1: <laughs> just forever just
0: forever keep
1: doing it <laughs> till the end of time
0: thank you so much for having me and thank you for the lovely music you were making on the Ood
1: it's <laughs> such a pleasure alright we'll see you next month for some more stories and music okay. bye. bye bye
2: ciao Bella you finished <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I might have a bit more to say. Ciao Bello.